invite you to join me in Daniel 7, if you are not there already. Look, ye saints, the sight is glorious. It's a great song that we should sing more often. And really, as we come to Daniel 7, that's kind of the theme of this chapter. It's a step back, a panorama of all of history. And the conclusion we will come to is the same thing we just sang in that song. Look, ye saints, the sight is glorious. And we long for that day. Let's open with a word of prayer and we'll jump into Daniel 7 this evening. Heavenly Father, even as we have confessed in song, so now we confess in prayer that we long for that day. And we proclaim even now, come Lord Jesus, bring your kingdom. We long for that day when our faith will be sight, when we will be made new, when all the promises in Christ to us will be fulfilled. Till that day, Father, give us grace. Give us strength to be faithful here on earth, to go and to make disciples, to stand for the truth, to proclaim the gospel. We pray that as we look at this passage this evening that we would be encouraged, that we would remember the hope that we have, that we would look beyond the circumstances that surround us to eternity, that we would remember that we are first and foremost citizens of heaven, of a better kingdom. We pray that you'd be honored in all that is said and done in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. As I mentioned, as we come to Daniel 7, it's kind of a panorama of all of history. It's kind of as if we're, we're stepping back and we're getting the big picture. It's a well-known passage. It's perhaps, well, not perhaps, it is, in all of the Old Testament, the greatest look to the future, the most detailed look to the kingdom which God has promised, which is coming. Our hope is sure. As we come to Daniel 7, there's kind of, there's, there's different places that we find ourselves. And so my points aren't creative. It's just simply where we are. So verses 1 to 8 is the earth, 9 to 12, the courtroom of heaven, 13 to 14, the throne room of heaven, and then 15 to 18, eternity. First thing we see is the earth. If you're paying attention, you'll note in this first verse that we're jumping back in time. In the first year of Belshazzar. In the first year. We've already seen, as we've worked our way through Daniel, Belshazzar rise up the writing on the wall, we've seen him cast down and killed. Now here we are in Daniel 7 going all the way back to his first year. It's approximately 553 B.C. It's back before the events of chapter 6, of, of chapter 5 and 6. In fact, both chapter 7 and 8 occur sometime between Daniel 4 and Daniel 5. So we're jumping back. The first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Daniel had a dream and a vision of his head while on his bed. 
And he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. As we look at this dream, you're going to remember back to Daniel 2. As we worked our way through Daniel 2 to the, king, the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. His dream of this statue. And the kingdoms that are represented by each level of that statue. As we come to Daniel's dream, you'll see that we are dealing with the same kingdoms. Starts out, Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. The sea is a picture of chaos, something with, which, which man cannot tame. And the ocean here represents the earth, the chaos of the nations, and, and out of these nations arise these four beasts. The four great beasts came up from the sea. These are the four nations mentioned back in Daniel 2, 31 to 49. Back in that passage, you may remember, there was the head of gold, which was Babylon, the arms and breasts of silver, which is the Medo-Persia, the belly and thighs of bronze, Greece, and the legs of iron, which is Rome. These great beasts came up in the sea, each different from the other. Now, in these next several verses, Daniel starts explaining to us these beasts. The first was like a lion. It had eagle's wings. Our watch till its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man and a man's heart was given to it. As I mentioned, this first kingdom is... is uh, is the same as the head of gold. It is Babylon. The lion is powerful. The wings picture quickness, swiftness, speed. In fact, in the uh, Babylonian um, capital outside the palaces, there were lions with wings. It's a Babylonian picture. And the picture here is of this great beast which is powerful, which is quick. And yet we say this beast is humbled. His wings are cut off. He's made to stand on two feet like a man and a man's heart was given to him. This beast is humbled and that recalls Nebuchadnezzar's humbling. This powerful man is humbled to the point of an animal. This first great kingdom that arises out of this great sea of the earth is Babylon. Suddenly, verse 5, another beast. A second, like a bear. Bear is not as majestic as a lion, but it's still very powerful. As I mentioned, this is the same as, as you go back to Daniel 2, this is Medo-Persia. It's the second kingdom that arises. It raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth. Commentators think, and, and I would agree with them, it makes sense to me, that the raised up on one side is these two kingdoms where the one is stronger than the other. It's Medo-Persia, but Persia is the greater of the two. So it's uneven in strength. It has one side that is stronger than the other. 
It has three ribs in its mouth. It's these conquered nations. It is a conquering dynasty. In fact, it's not done conquering. They said to it, arise, devour much flesh. Conquer more. We see Babylon, we see Medo-Persia. After this, I looked, and there was another. Like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. Again, here with a leopard, we see speed. We see power. In fact, the four wings of a bird make it all the more fast and quick. It is swift. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Again, this ties to the third kingdom of Daniel 2, the belly and thighs of bronze, or Greece. It's Alexander the Great and his kingdom, which, like a leopard, with speed conquered the earth. By the age of 32, he had conquered his kingdom. I'm 32. That's incredible. The beast also had four heads. After Alexander's death, his empire, this is well documented in history, his empire was divided among four of his generals. And note that last phrase, dominion was given to it. Note that word given. It implies a higher power. A greater power that, that even as these, these four kingdoms are ruling the earth, there is a greater power. We, we look forward to seeing that greater power in just a few verses. That rock of Daniel 2 that comes in and smashes the statue. The kingdom that rises up, the kingdom of God. We look forward to that. And yet, even in these four kingdoms that are dominating the earth, we see a little clue here. That even here, God is still ruling. Dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast. This is the legs of iron from Daniel 2. It is Rome, dreadful and terribly, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth, pointing back to the iron that depicts Rome in Daniel 2. It was devouring, breaking in places, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. Rome far surpassed the previous empires in power, in longevity, and in influence. This is a different beast altogether. And it had ten horns. Here in the middle of verse 7, we kind of jump forward in history. See, all of this for Daniel, he's, he's looking forward. All of this is future for Daniel. But, but for us, as we come to the middle of, of verse 7, we look back and see these kingdoms. But now there's kind of a shift and we are looking forward. We jump from a past Roman Empire to a future restored Roman Empire. This restored Roman Empire will be restored in power and in influence. And they will have ten hearts and ten kings that are ruling these ten horns. 
And as Daniel is looking and he's considering the horns, there was another horn. A little one coming up among them. A little horn appears among these ten and begins to grow in power. Before who? Three of the horns were plucked out. Three of the original ten horns are, are overpowered. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man in the mouth speaking pompous words. There's a lot that could be said here about this little horn. I'm going to refrain from saying too much here because as we get to the end of Daniel 7 in a few weeks, we'll jump into that. Daniel really dives into this and, and, and there's a lot more there. We see the eyes of a man and a mouth. This little horn that rises up is what we would see as the Antichrist. So you come to the end of verse 8 and we see these kingdoms which are ruling on earth. These powerful kingdoms. Now as you come to verse 9, there's a change in scene. We move from the earth, from these powerful kingdoms, from this one king, the Antichrist, who has risen up in power above the rest. And we jump to the courtroom of heaven in verses 9 to 12. And Daniel says this, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. The Ancient of Days here is God Almighty. God the Father seated on his throne. And he stands, he sits ready to judge. Look how he's described. This Ancient of Days, God Almighty, his garments were white as snow. That pictures him as, as righteous, as pure, as holy. The hair of his head was like pure wool. Think of the, the hair of an aged, experienced, older man. It pictures wisdom. He is wise. Not weak in age, but wise. In fact, look what it goes on to say. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. That pictures power. This ancient of days who is seated, he is seen as holy, as righteous, as wise, and as powerful. The fire stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. This is, as we see in Malachi, the, the phrase that Malachi uses several times. We went through Malachi several uh, months ago, uh, years ago almost. This is the God of the angel armies. And the court was seated and the books were opened. It's a time of judgment has arrived. Lane Dennis and Ray, Wayne Grudem uh, write this in the ESV Study Bible. It says, the scene, This scene depicts in powerful imagery a judge who has the wisdom to sort out right from wrong, the purity to persistently choose the right, and the power to enforce his judgments. As we come before this judge, this is a powerful scene. As God Almighty, the Ancient of Days, sits on his throne ready to judge. He has the wisdom to judge. He has the holiness and the righteousness to judge. And he has the power to judge. And he is a just God. 
What is being judged? Go on to week, verse 11. I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain. This little horn that has risen up, the Antichrist, is slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. This mighty king who has risen up among these mighty empires, who has stood above the rest, he is slain. He is defeated, he is judged, and he is condemned. This is the scene we see in Revelation 19.20 as the beast and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire, to the burning flames. Well, as this beast is thrown into the flames, as he is slain and destroyed, what happens to the rest? Well, as for the rest of the beasts, they have their dominion taken away, yet their Lives were prolonged for a season and a time. These are these earthly empires. Following the defeat and remnant and removal of the Antichrist, the remnant of these nations, of these empires, they remain and they're incorporated into a new kingdom. Their power is taken away. Their dominion is taken away. And yet they stay. And that's when we come to verses 13 to 14, the throne room of heaven. John MacArthur calls this, these two verses, this, this section, he calls it the coronation of the king. As Daniel says this, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. If you've been paying attention at all, as you've been working your way through John, you're familiar with that title, the Son of Man. It's the title that Jesus used for himself more than any other title. Purposefully. It identifies Jesus with this one here in Daniel. The Son of Man. This is Jesus. Don't get it wrong. This is Jesus. And he comes in the clouds of heaven. That's a phrase that we see later in Revelation 1-7. As Jesus comes in the cloud with the clouds. And he came to the ancient of days. And they brought him near before him. This passage reminds us of the passion, passage in Revelation 4-5. As they are crying out before the throne, Holy, holy, holy. And in Revelation 4 and 5, the question is, who is found worthy? Who can open the scrolls? And one steps forth, the Lamb who was slain. Here in Daniel 7.13, this is the Lamb who was slain. It is the Son of Man. It is Jesus Christ. He comes to the Ancient of Days. He is brought near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. As we see in Revelation 19.11-16. to 16, That all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. Notice 
that this kingdom, this dominion that is given to Jesus is on earth. These are earthly designations indicating an earthly kingdom, peoples and nations and languages. It will serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. This is the kingdom, the stone from Daniel 2, 35 and 45, which crushed the kingdoms of men and grew into a mighty eternal kingdom. As you move now to verses 15 to 18, Move out of the throne room into eternity. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to one who stood by, most likely an angel, asked him the truth of all this, so he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts which are four are four kings which arise out of the earth, as we've already seen. But the saints, the saints of all ages, the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. As you look at this passage and you see these beasts rising out of the sea and you see the Ancient of Days and you see the Son of Man, what is going on? This is what is going on. There are four kingdoms of men, four powerful kingdoms that shall arise, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. This is the theme of the whole book of Daniel. This is the theme of the whole Bible, the whole of creation, the whole of time. That the kingdom is coming. That our God reigns. That his promises will be fulfilled. And these mighty kingdoms might rise up. And they might throw everything they can to oppose him. But his kingdom will come. The saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom. God will fulfill all his promises and we will reign with him. All of God's promises to Israel will be fulfilled. All of God's promises to his church will be fulfilled. And this kingdom is not limited just to a millennium. Notice what it says, the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. It goes on into all eternity. Our God reigns. 1 Corinthians 15. I invite you to turn there. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 28. Here Paul picks up on this theme here in Daniel 7. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, but each one in his own order. 
Christ the firstfruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he put that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. That is the culmination of history. That is what we see here in Daniel 7. As we back up and we see this panorama of history, back to to all these powerful kingdoms that have risen and fallen. And these four are just a representation. Look through all of history. All these kingdoms that rise up and that fall. But there is coming a kingdom that will not fall. A kingdom that will be forever, even forever and ever. And it is the kingdom of our God. And we long for that day. So how do we respond to a passage like this? As I mentioned earlier, we're not, we're not done with this passage. In a few weeks, we'll jump into the second half, and, and Daniel jumps into a lot more detail. But how do we respond to these first 18 verses? I'd say this, we gain perspective, we remember our hope, and we find motivation. See, this passage helps us to put all of history into its proper perspective. Kings live and die. Kingdoms will rise up and kingdoms will fall, but a kingdom is coming that will never end. A kingdom is coming that will be forever, even forever and ever. It is the kingdom of our God. So gain proper perspective. See history rightly. See yourself in history rightly. Understand what is happening and what will happen and what has happened. It is good for us to come to a passage like this to step back and to see the big picture. So often we get lost in the little details. We get worried. We get confused. Step back and see the big picture. Your God reigns. Now and forever. Secondly, remember your hope. Remember your hope. Life can be a struggle. So often, day in and day out is so hard, but with this proper perspective, as we look to the future, we remember the hope that we have in Christ. If He did not spare His own Son... Will he keep anything that he has promised from us? That is our hope. Remember the hope of your faithful God as you gather the right perspective through, uh, through a, a chapter like this and then finally find motivation. Find the motivation to go forth and to be faithful. Find the motivation to stay faithful when times are good. Find the motivation to stay faithful when times are bad. 
when you are encouraged and when you are frustrated. Find the motivation to go and to make disciples and to spread the good news. A passage like this draws our hearts from the concern of this life to the coming kingdom. It proclaims to us, even as we just sang, Look, ye saints, the sight is glorious. Hold on. He is coming. Be faithful. That's what a passage like this does. It calls us to faithfulness today because of our hope in the future. It gives us perspective. It helps us to remember our hope and to find motivation for the present. We're going to close this evening with the song, There is a Higher Throne.